0: Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If you are not, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one with academia, innovators, startups, NGOs, all looking for solutions to the greatest challenge of our time. My name is Samuele Tini, and this is The Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode. And today we are going to discuss how you can frame a career on sustainability with somebody that is coming from a sector that you don't often associate with sustainability, who has become now an activist and she has transitioned it, using her skill and brand and her capability to, to work. A former Miss Earth, a model, and now an activist. Lindsay Coffey is here with us her today. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for being here with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that we're able to connect. And thank you for the intro. It's definitely a unique and different background. So I appreciate it. And I'm just looking forward to our conversation.
0: Fantastic. And it's really something that um, I want to know more about you. I mean, but then we ask our usual question. We want to know who is Lindsay? What is your sustainability journey?
1: Of course, we always have to know who who is this person. So, ever since I definitely do have a unique background, but ever since I was young, I loved nature, I loved being outside. I loved animals as well where I declared my vegetarianism at just 8 years old when I actually found out what meat really was and I remember telling my mom, I don't want to eat meat. They're my animals are my friends. I don't want to eat my friends. And then even in middle school, I adopted a highway where I would spend my weekends literally picking up trash. What what young kid wants to spend their weekends picking up litter on the side of the road? I mean, I did. I was, you know, definitely that little oddball out. And I I just believe I was born loving this planet, like loving the nature, loving the animals, like adopting that highway. And then then I had a significant turning point though in my life where I ended up realizing how much beauty there was in this planet. And I was able to have that opportunity through modeling where I did start traveling the world. So I saw just how remarkable this planet really was. But then unfortunately, I also saw so much devastation, a lot of devastation that was happening as the consequences of our actions. So- One also being several natural disasters I had lived in. One being in Cape Town, South Africa, and uh, they had one of the worst water crises in the history. And I saw how much we were taking from our planet, and I realized she needed more voices to speak for her. And that's when I truly began my journey into activism.
0: And fantastic, and it's really you can see some patterns. People that from all sorts of backgrounds that they came to the podcast they have the turning point, the Eureka moments, then where they understood why and what they can do also for the planet. And you have been at the forefront of modeling. Now you have been also Miss Art in 2020, if I recall correctly. So you have been on the magazines that everybody will love to be the vogue of this world and the other. But we want to understand how this journey has really shaped now and how you have turned it into, you know, you have, you are also an influencer person. You have a lot of followers. How oh, you have transformed yourself in an influencer and an influencer for Planet Art.
1: Yes. So I've definitely had a very incredible journey, a journey filled with doubt, though. I, I've learned a lot. And so I've always acted on my love for the planet, as I mentioned, even when I was very young but winning miss earth which for those who don't know about miss earth it is a environmental competition based on beauty pageants kind of standards and themes but they end up using kind of the glitz and glamour to, to kind of sway you into wanting to you know watch the show and then you come to find out that all of these women are Just intelligent, they're empathetic, they're uh, empowered, and they have so much to say about our planet and the solutions that we have and what we can do about them. So it's an environmentally based competition. Where we we're fighting for climate justice. And I competed against 82 nations, and I became the first American to ever win it. And so winning Miss Earth gave me that confidence to amplify my action and voice. So it had always been there, but now being able to win that, I was showing myself, not just other people, hey, I actually do have something, something to say. I was proving that to myself as well. So I felt completely underqualified to speak about our climate, because who's going to respect or even want to listen to a model, someone who doesn't even have an environmental degree, who works in an environmental field. Now, this is where so many people end up falling into that trap where they underestimate themselves and their capabilities. And that is when I learned that education occurs inside and outside of the classroom. If you follow your passion, you follow your your purpose, nothing will stop you from succeeding because the only person that can is yourself. And I know sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but when you're able to take a step back and reflect on your choices and where you are in life, all of that does come back down to yourself. And so the lesson shifted my perspective of myself and what I am capable of so before my goal was to clean like one mile or 1.6 kilometers of highway. And now my goal is to literally clean up the entire world. It's given me so much more confidence in myself and I am able to see my true potential now.
0: And I'm sure also the way uh, being also a person that can influence and discuss and reach a broader audience, young people and youth and young uh, women, so you can have also a strong influence on them. And I want to ask a bit about, uh, as an activist now, as an influencer, what strategy do you employ to advocate for environmental issues?
1: So I know some people have niche, a little bit of niches (laughs) and mine's a little bit all over the place. So I do personally, I, I focus on multiple forms of activism to target multiple demographics, as well as different locations around the globe. And I also modeling's played a part in that as well, because I've been able to travel as extensively as I I've had because of it. So I also do as a, Influencer-based activists as well. I utilize social media and I do create content, but then I also have my boots-on-the-ground approach, where I'm at live events, I'm doing protests and demonstrations, seminars and cleanups, uh, speaking events. I collaborate with other environmental organizations, and one of my, you know, I don't like to choose favorites, but one of my, you know, more what I'm very interested in is lobbying in D.C. for legislative reform, and I also have a political science background so for me i am a speaker and i'm a doer i i just do things and i do excel at interpersonal communications because of my background and how much i have traveled and this is where that traveling to different cultures through modeling played that significant role and i know my audience very well i know how my efforts are best utilized and just for an example, when I am lobbying in D.C. and I'm speaking to a conservative Republican who doesn't prioritize environmental issues in any way, then I switch the narrative to an issue they are concerned about, and then I tie it back into the environment. So depending on the topic, there there are times, though, where it's you know more challenging than not, but... The interesting thing about nature is that it's tied into every single aspect of life, and it's simply a matter of discovering the connection. So balancing my advocacy with work and even my my activism, my my work, even my personal life, it can be tricky at times and cause occasional conflict, especially when I have those moments where I have to think outside of the box. I have to give a lot of my time. I have to just play it a certain way and strategize in a different way. It can be very time consuming. And I found out though, instead of looking at in kind of like a negative, overwhelming conflict perspective, I see how my work has better served my advocacy and it has even provided me more opportunities which has been remarkable and i honestly would never have thought that would be the case especially because my who's with my background who's going to take me seriously but it really has opened up so many doors and it's allowed me to connect with very powerful people and people in positions positions of power with like celebrities in the media investors business owners government and it allowed me to create this platform such as on social media to address you know overconsumption fast fashion climate justice and because of everything that i have done my choices i've made in my life up until this moment it's almost like it has prepared me for this platform of advocacy and oh and yeah oh i was going to mention t- like for those you know for those even listening who do want to incorporate more activism in their lives like you don't have to go as big i know i mentioned a few things where i'm like oh i'm traveling the world i'm doing this and that you don't have to go as big so like as i mentioned i am i'm a speaker so i i use my voice and i i use my skill sets and utilize my strengths and once we realize what our strengths are and utilize them that's where we will leave our greatest impact so if you are a speaker as well, like use your voice if you're a strong writer, write an educator, develop lesson plans for friends or family or students, but regardless of what you do, you just always have to know your audience and it's not about convincing people to believe you; it's always about encouraging those who are willing to act on it and that's where you can utilize your skill set to its greatest capacity and effort and Not to be kind of despondent or feeling that you're incapable of it, maybe because you're not going as big as other people, because it's Mm -hmm. the baby steps that get us to the bigger goals.
0: Fantastic, Lindsay. And I really like what you said and it's a a tremendous piece of advice. And I'm sure we'll come back to ask more advice to you in the episode, because that is actually why I really like. And, and why you have come to the show to share your experience. You don't have the degree Oxford or about environmental sustainability or you are a climate scientist, but you can reach people and this is your strength and your capability and you can influence behavior. And what you said, act where your strengths are and passion. It's really your strength. You have been there, as I mentioned, I mean, this uh, wonderful uh, Vogue or others that everybody will love to be. And you are now also using your skill sets in that world to influence back. Especially, we all know that there are the significant impact of the fashion industry. We all know it's well recognized, it's scientifically demonstrated. So, what are you doing is to to influence a top model to drive change toward more sustainable practices. Even with your initiatives, even targeting models, how to empower them and work. So I really like that that part of your work and activism.
1: Yes. So it's actually quite funny because I really started dabbling more into the fashion industry and the harmful effects of it recently, as in like the past couple like couple years. So I felt obligated to because of my job. And I started to feel like a hypocrite that I'm working in this industry promoting almost overconsumption. And even though I, of course, I did have to take a step back and reflect, and I'm not the one creating these garments. I'm not the one making the decisions behind these companies But I still felt a little hypocritical because I am working in an industry that I know is very harmful and toxic. And yet I wasn't doing anything about it. So at the end of the day, though, it is a job. It is my income. I do. I do love it. There it's a love hate relationship, if I'm being honest, but I do love it. And it's given me such an amazing and beautiful and special life. But I also felt okay I could do more and I need to do more and I want to do more. So being a model in the one of the in one of the worst industries that are affecting our environments I wanted to be able to at least use my voice and try and establish change or at least raise the awareness where people can try and maybe people will be a little bit more inclined to listen or be interested in doing research on their own. So now I say all that uh, just in relation to to the fashion industry specifically of what I've done. I am a graduating fellow with the Remake organization, and they fight for climate justice and fair wage for garment workers within the industry. And our activism consists of protests, demonstrations, social campaigns, panel discussions, Push a lot of petitions, and we also lobby in DC as well. So, currently, we are working on pushing a bill called the Fabric Act, which will completely just redesign the American garment manufacturing industry. So, there are five central pillars of the bill, and they all are focused around accountability, transparency, and fair pay for the garment worker. And in addition to the negative impact the industry has on our climate, we advocate for equal pay because the low wages our garment workers receive are what fuel overproduction resulting in an increase of 4% of like global gar- carbon emissions and produce 100 billion units of clothes each year and if we now if we do have higher wages and pay them a living wage not only does that increase their quality of life and of course minimum or reduce and minimize completely abolish, hopefully, modern day slavery, which is basically what it is, we do have less production because of those higher wages. We have better quality of products because of them. We have reduced emissions and overall leave a greener footprint. So there's so many things that I can do as a model in my industry where I can just be talking to somebody at work and being like, oh, there's actually a really cool alternative textile to use instead of this and subtly drop something in, something so small. Or I can just be lobbying on Capitol Hill once again, trying to push these bills to be able to pass law to reform policy and completely reshape the entire industry so it goes again once again from big to small and i always have to emphasize you never have to go big it's you you do what you can you do what you're comfortable with but there's just so many choices that we have where we can employ our efforts and make an incredible impact
0: fantastic it's really i say everybody can do their work and their choice and i think also being educated on how to make sustainable choices in fashion, it's a very good, first step for people. And now you are also collaborating and more expanding your collaboration, especially even for companies that are want to transform a bit of merchandising. We know that merchandising it's something that we often overlook, but there's an awful lot of products and things that they are there. Sometimes we receive, you go to a conference, you receive a lot of things, so you prepare for your customers and sometimes it ends up in the landfill. So what, how you can want, you are transforming that and working with eco-brands that, can you explain a bit eco-branders a bit and how this is, wants to align towards a more sustainable merchandising and sustainable goals.
1: Yes. So I'm so grateful that I was able to find EcoBranders. And what EcoBranders is, is an online retailer providing eco-conscious branded merchandise for companies, for nonprofits, schools, government organizations, honestly, anyone who needs just customizable merchandise, which really is everyone basically. And so the promotional industry, which is what this is, is one of the worst Hidden environmental offenders. And I say hidden because it it goes hand in hand with the fashion industry. It is part of the fashion industry, but it includes promotional merchandises, everything and everywhere. It includes clothing, accessories, drinkware, utensils, gadgets, tech. So it's just all manufacturing and textiles. It's everything, whatever it may be. And like, how, how much stuff do you own? You know, I'm sure. You just have a lot of stuff, and it's all like either customizable merchandise. It was a promotional merchandise from a company that has their logo on it. It's literally everything. So it's this stuff that comes through our hands every day that we don't think about because it's so mindless. So, of course, it's a little different where you're going clothes shopping and you look in your closet and you see all these clothes and you know how specifically the fashion industry is affecting the environment, but you're not thinking about the the vase on your table or all like the 50 pens that you have that you don't use anymore or that's out of ink and dried up. And it's just so much just stuff. And so the textile and manufacturing industry is loosely regulated and eco-branders is revolutionizing the business and marketing sectors through supply chain transparency, carbon offsets, and sustainable production and sourcing of materials and products so eco branders we stand for mindfulness for solutions for an alternative way of doing things and today we have options and eco branders not only provides you with better choices but they educate the consumer and businesses on how to do better as well as why we should we should do better so they've been an incredible company from day one and it overlaps in the fashion industry as a model where you would at first glance not think that there's much crossover or much in common but promotional merchandise overflows into modeling because even you look at louis vuitton They put their logo on literally everything multiple times. Everyone is a walking billboard that wears Louis Vuitton. That's promotional merchandise. So everything that has come through our hands has been a form of promotional merchandise.
0: Oh, fantastic. And it's really interesting. And often overlook also me I was not that aware (laughs) of the impact on the work of maybe the water bottle and maybe you have received 25 water bottles and 25 (laughs) from 25 companies wanting to reduce the use of plastic and you end up with 25 at home (laughs) and so you have not really reduced the plastic and this is just a, a small example and Talking about example, I really want to go a bit deeper on impact stories, something that you can share with our audience, some few stories of experience that highlight your impact in work, in sustainability, in our environmental advocacy, and that you are proud of.
1: Yes. So I, again, since my platform is so, has some so much variety, I've, I've done multiple things. And some of my favorite opportunities, though, are when I do get to travel to other countries as a guest or as a speaker. And I always leave learning so much more than when I arrived, which I am then able to take that experience back with me and share it with others. Because how understanding how our climate affects different regions and communities is one of the quickest ways to understand the degree of devastation and how many factors play a part. So despite this world Despite this being a worldwide crisis, everyone faces different impacts at different intensities. And being able to share those stories with people who are unable to see them from for themselves creates compassion. It creates empathy and a connection to these places, even though you've never set foot there, which is what we need in order to act collectively and change our planet. And that's just an experience that creates more of an emotional impact on myself and of others. But I really, I really like, I really enjoy having that emotional base in my activism because whenever you do make things personal, that is when people start to act. And I feel that's a very, very important part within my platform. But in other like actual stories, I do really love to share policy impacts as I do feel. The truest solution to the climate crisis is within the within legislation. So, working with Remake, we are pushing companies to sign the Pakistan Accord, which protects the health and safety of garment workers abroad as well. And after several months, we were trying to get a lot of big name brands to sign on. We call them like the Dirty Dozen, and we ended up getting a lot of bigger brands to sign on, like Gap, HM, American Eagle, uh, Primark, and. we were really trying to push for Levi's to sign on and they were not budging. And we even held a demonstration in Times Square in front of the Levi's store to further sway them. And it was pretty, it was a really great demonstration. Very heartfelt, very emotional. We even had garment workers from abroad in the Middle East come over and speak as well. We had a truck circling the the square advertising what we were doing. We had three volunteers to lie down on the streets in sheets covered in what looked what appeared to be blood to signify the death of the workers that were experiencing abroad and the devastations that that they, they were experiencing. And we were also supposed to kind of go into the Levi's store. But all of that didn't go as planned because for some reason the The police showed up and I guess maybe someone tipped them off. There's going to be a demonstration, but of course it's all peaceful. We're not, it's not chaotic. It's basically just having a speaking event in public. And so we ended up not being able to sway Levi's as much as we wanted, but we were able to make an impact and at least raise awareness that something is going on because the bystanders that are walking past us, they were able to look up and research more details that we were providing them. And a lot of them weren't even aware that this was happening. So we weren't successful in having them sign on to the Pakistan accord. But fortunately a few months down the road, we found it out that they ended up signing on to another accord and that is still helpful. And it shows that they're stepping in the right direction. And we played i know we played a significant role in that and also yeah it was amazing absolutely incredible and also i know i've spoken a lot about remake but i'm also a wwf ambassador which i also lobby on behalf of wwf and we're pushing for the forest act which is which was reintroduced in the house and the senate as a bipartisan bill which was great and that act would prohibit agricultural imports that were linked to illegal deforestation and report the importers of those agricultural products to know, to have them be transparent about their supply chains and ensure that their products do not contribute to any type of illegal deforestation in any way, shape or form. So, and additionally to that, we're even targeting our local governments here to push for EPR programs to develop them on the state and then hopefully federal level. And for those who may not be familiar, that's their producer responsibility programs to be able to hold our manufacturers and companies accountable for the consequences that they end up creating. So there, that, that's more on my personal stories, but even eco-branders, have, they have a little bit more easy to digest, I guess, stories of impact. But so even on... Impacts of ecobranders specifically with each product, a percentage with each product sold, a percentage of it automatically goes to our partner organizations that focus on ocean cleanups, they focus on re- reforestation, CO2 reduction, and we also offset our own emissions with the carbon fund partnership that we have which allows every single one of our orders to be shipped carbon neutral. And we are also looking for opportunities to make every order as sustainable as possible. For example, there was this one order. One of our clients purchased 14,000 water bottles. So many water bottles. <laughs> like we're, we're and we just talked about water bottles, but thank goodness we don't have fourteen thousand of them in our cabinets. But there's fourteen thousand water bottles, which are typically wrapped in individual, single-use, clear polyester plastic bags. And our CEO, Stacey Matheson, she discussed alternative pack- packaging options with our clients and with the shipment facility, where the client ultimately decided that they were going to refuse the polyplastic and their bottles still arrived in absolutely excellent condition, but they saved 14,000 pieces of plastic and significantly reduced the environmental impact of that order. And being able to be in an industry or work with a company that is so mindful and conscious about that, where every single company can do that, the, the impact would be so great, and all it takes is just to ask. All all you have to do is just ask a question, and that question ended up leading to just a reduction in harmful effects on our environment just from one question.
0: Wow, and really, I can say a low-hanging fruit that was there, and if you have the right consciousness, you can already start implementing some small changes, which they are not affecting really the way you operate, but they really start the snowballing effect. And if everybody, we started with the small things that they can be done, of course, already we have, we already been one or two steps on the right, on the right direction and on that. On the direction and the trajectory and the journey of Lindsay, I want to discuss a bit more with you because you have mentioned big names. You are working with acts in the states at state level, federal level. You are lobbying with big organizations, discussing. You are doing your activism on social media. So, looking forward, which are your plans and projects you have in the pipeline for for you, for Lindsay, and where do you want to take your work?
1: I, of course, have tangible product, projects that ha- are coming up that I do want to see come to life. But overall, I aim to further develop my message of showing compassion towards our shared home. And yes, the, the projects that I do really want to see come to fru- fruition are very, very important to me, but I feel the main focus overall should be determining the best course of action in the present moment with the tool set that you currently have. Because as even mentioned before, completing that step, those little baby steps, that will take you to the next one and the next one and so on and so forth until you reach your goal, the one main objective that you've had. And that's also where it gets so overwhelming for people by thinking too much about the future and what I want to do, where I want to go, when you have to really focus on what you're doing in the present moment and what the present moment needs from you right now. So I'll continue collaborating, creating, continue lobbying, and focusing more on policy and inspiring people to raise our environmental consciousness. In in terms of goals that I do want to see come to life, I do enjoy my interview series that I'll do occasionally, so I would want to focus a little bit more on that just to connect to the public, to connect to consumers, to possibly other businesses where I can get a more in-depth feel of what's going on behind their closed doors or what's going on behind the consumer, within the consumer's mind, see where they're at, and just gauge how much work really even needs to be done, which we, we know it's a lot, but it's nice to be able to raise that awareness for other people who don't think about those things. So it's always being able to bring projects to life that are going to leave a significant impact and help people at least, even if you can't educate them fully, let them know that there's something going on. So they're aware of it. And that's another thing where I feel a lot of people become despondent because they think, Oh, I have to teach everybody everything else. I have to teach myself about this. I need to learn about X, Y, Z. It's not becoming an expert in your field. Sometimes it's really just becoming aware of it. I mean, of course, if you want to go into activism, it's nice to become an expert. But if you're just trying to make a difference, even in your own life, you don't have to be an expert about it. You just have to be aware. You have to know that there is something going on and that you have choices and decisions that you can make that affects it.
0: And fantastic. And this is another terrible piece of advice for our audience that leads to our question because you have achieved so much. You have been, uh, you are now an activist. You have been, you are a model. You have traveled the world. You have reached the peak of the career. You have, as I said, all over the place. And, uh, but I really want to ask for somebody like me and others listening that's, as you said, which are the steps we can do to really make a difference in sustainability? Which tips you can give to us?
1: So I, I do always give out a lot of tips and you can even find some more like practical tips on my website and lindsay-coffee.com. We will put it, it
0: in the description of the podcast on the <laughs> episode. So go and check okay. it out. <laughs>
1: awesome thank you and it's more practical advice where what you can do in your own home how you can limit and reduce your carbon footprint you know re- using reusable products so there are things that of course you can make the, in your transitions in your daily life that will leave an impact and there's also i feel like a lot of the things that you can do it's very easy to acknowledge and kind of even research and find out. So what I really like to push is what I feel the best thing you can do is to just elevate your awareness about the world around you, the options that you have and the impacts we create. And now I know everyone is on their own journey. They have a different skill set, different assets. They're in different financial situations. And I know Not everyone was born with privilege, but everyone was born with choice. So educate yourself, share your knowledge with others, vote, petition, strengthen your skill sets, as I had even mentioned previously, kind of tailor them to your best abilities and strength within your actions. We also have being able to utilize those actions and kind of transition those into an activist work mindset where you, if you are a great speaker, use your voice a little bit more. If you do like, write, you know, write a little bit more and just take action in any way that you can. And overall, be mindful and be compassionate and utilize your ability to choose. Every decision that you make in your life has a consequence. And it's up to us to decide if that consequence will be positive or negative. That goes for decisions that affect the environment and even ones that affect your personal lives. My number one piece of advice is to understand the power within choice. And that's what I really like to push for people instead of, yes, you can find out, turn off your lights before you leave. But I want want you to expand and elevate your environmental consciousness and your awareness and understand that the power within the choices you have are so great and significant.
0: Fantastic piece of advice, Lindsay. I think it's really important and is a strong call for action from everybody of us. And and also I think the podcast is a way to give voice to people like you, for people that come in from all sorts of backgrounds, but they have, as we say, plural perspective and common objective. And the real, the common objective is our planet, our earth, uh, the, also the our responsibility towards the future generation. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for this wonderful job. It has been a pleasure and honor having you.
1: No, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy we're able to connect. And I really enjoyed speaking with you. And I know you've done so much as well. So thank you so much for using your platform to educate others as well and share other stories just to make this world a little bit better. So thank you.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.